Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Sonia Rockville. Thanks for being on the show, Sonia. Hi, Whitney. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Sonia has a background in, in financial statement audit and financial services. She founded Bedrock Real Estate Investors, specializing in the acquisition of multifamily apartments. She also has syndicated four apartment deals and has life cycled two of these deals. Sonia, thank you again for your time. Looking forward to just diving into your superpower and, and how you've built this amazing team to make this happen. So, But give us a little more about your background and in real estate, how you got to where you're at now, and let, let's jump in. Oh, great. Thanks again. So I didn't start out my career in real estate. I actually started out, as, as Whitney mentioned, in audit and in financial services. So all the while, though, I knew I didn't want to be a partner at a CPA firm. And I was just trying to figure out what my next steps were going to be. And fortuitously, I had an opportunity to pivot. And I, I really had a chance to step back and think about real estate. I started deep diving a lot into different books. I joined my local RIA and I really, real estate really resonated with me. And so when, when an opportunity presented itself, I decided not to continue to pursue my career and that I had already and, and move into real estate. So what I had to do was figure out what strategy I wanted and multifamily really resonated with me. What was the opportunity that presented itself that helped you to just, I mean, pivot completely? Yeah. So it's funny because a lot of people would think of this as a negative thing, but it was actually a really good thing. So in my company, there were a lot of changes that were happening and my entire group was light off, including myself. And so, you know, it really gave me a chance to take a step back. I thought, wow, okay, I could try to move to another group or a competitor or another company. But then I thought, you know, I've just been thinking about real estate for the past several years and trying to figure out how I could make this work. Maybe now is the time to take that time and take a step back and think about it. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I got laid off or that happened to me, but I, I think it's a mindset, like don't let things happen to you. You, you take it, see the opportunity in all of the, uh, anything that happens. I like that. You said, don't let things happen to you, but see them as an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's what really helped me because I was thinking this is, this is good timing, actually. And, and that timing just opened up doors for me to join various organizations and different groups and a multifamily investing group that also helped me think and, and move in this direction as well. Nice. I think that's such good advice right there. And I want to dig in there just for a minute. What helped you develop that mentality? You know, a lot of people are just going to be so fearful at that moment. They've gotten laid off. It's going to be hard not to just focus on that, right? And, and almost get run out like you've been run over by a bus and it's hard to get back up. So what was it for you that helped you to, to push through that and see it as an opportunity? I think I had a few things that were in my favor. First of all, support from my family. I think that's the, the strongest thing that I always have in, in my back in my back pocket and my family and my husband, they knew that I had been thinking about and, and talking about real estate for so many years. And so my husband actually was just like, this is 
this is what you've been talking about. Why don't I not take this time? And so that really gave me the additional push because it's hard when you don't have support around you. So I was fortunate to have support around me. And then sometimes you just have to find the support that's around you. Nice. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, it's so important. And so let's jump in to how you've built this team around you, just this A team uh, of people that, that have helped you to get to success, right? In this business, the syndication business is such a, a team sport. And I know the listeners hear it every day, nearly, you know, us talking about just the team aspect of this business. But I love hearing how people like yourself have built that team because it's so important who we bring on to our team and their skill sets and all those things. It's a complicated process and can just make or break you almost who you bring on. So, you know, let's dive in there and how you've done that. Yeah. So it's exactly what you said, Whitney, definitely a team sport. And you really have to have multiple people involved from the very beginning. So one of the things in in building a team is first understanding your own skill set, your own superpower. What do you bring to the team? So for me, I lean pretty heavily on my financial background and my like to actually dig through financial statements and understand what's happening in them. And that really helps me in the analyze phase and the underwriting and then also after we acquire for asset management. But what it what it also made me do is look and find other people to joint venture with because one of the things that I realized also is that yes you can do you can start out on your own but there was just so much it was so much better for me to partner with other people and to find joint venture partners who would be able to complement my skill sets and then work with them to identify properties. So the very first real estate deal I did, other than my passive investments, was a 48-unit property. And on my own, that would have been a challenge to do. So I'm here, I'm based in New York. And the other thing that was very, very important for us to have in terms of team is the property management team. If you're going to be investing outside of an area where you can drive to on a a frequent basis and you have a property manager, or even if you can drive and you still have property management, having a solid property management team is immeasurable. You really need to be able to work with them. You need to have similar philosophies and you need to make sure that you're able to, to help to drive the results for your investors. Nice. So tell me about some other team members that anybody else, you know, like property management, some of those, like we know we have to have on our team, anybody else that you brought in or or that's part of the team that's not as typical? Right. So in addition to property management, you definitely need to have your legal team. Okay. So are you able to say delegate any other things to team members that maybe at first that you didn't want to delegate or things that you're able to hand off to other people? So you have more time to do what you need to do. Right, right. So now as yours have progressed, yes, there, there are other folks that are part of my team now that can help me with the underwriting and can help me with that work too. But you always have to have that level of review. When you're delegating, it doesn't mean that you're hands off. It just means that completely, it means that somebody is, is definitely taking the lead, but you still have to make sure that you know, sure. especially when you're dealing with and, and your investor's money, that you're dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. 
Okay, so let's jump into your unique ability, your skill set that you bring to the table. And you know, financial statements are something that's it's so necessary, right? Like our whole team needs to understand enough about them so we know if we're moving forward or not and, and where money's going, all those things. But it, I wouldn't say it's the most fun thing, but at times it is, but but I'm not typically the one that just is going to spend hours inside of a sheet, you know, and numbers. But I'm thankful for people like you that understand that because we have to have those. And so help us to start thinking about how to see a financial statement and how to analyze that to just uncover what we need to know. Absolutely. So one of the things that you're definitely looking at, and one of the first things that you're always going to get is your T12, your trailing 12 financials, which is your income statement. You're going to be looking at revenues and you're going to be looking, of course, at your expenses. And then, of course, the rent roll as well or something that you're going to be looking at. So some of the things that you need to focus in on and what the rent roll helps you do is is understand where are they with revenues. And especially now in this time that we are, which is, you know, in COVID and just with the unforeseen, so many unforeseen things that are happening in our economy, it's also very important to understand collections. So revenues is one thing, how much are they billing, but how much are they actually collecting? So it's also helpful to get a a balance sheet to look at accounts receivable or to be able to get some kind of statement where you can see what the level of delinquencies are on the property because this will help you with your underwriting. It'll also help you plan if that's the property that you want to go after and you can already see the trend of high delinquency balances. You need to have a plan to be able to help to turn that around and you need to work with your property manager to start thinking about that plan and getting that set up. So right at acquisition or prior to, you already know how you're going to proceed with that. So I think that's one of the most important things right now in revenue. Also, I'm also a big stickler on the quality of revenue as well. So for example, when you look at other income and you start seeing that there's a lot of money being generated from delinquency fees that's just kind of bad behavior on the property. So take a look at that too, because if your collections are coming in the way you want them to be coming in, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of delinquency fees or not the, not very, very high levels. And that's what sometimes we see in properties, very high levels of like, oh, but the other income is high, but yeah, it's, people are not paying. <laughs> so, so that's something to also take yeah, a look that's at. that's a problem, right? Yeah. So is. what about what about how you communicate with that property management company? You know, like you're looking you're at this sheet or or this financial statement, you're analyzing this. How is it that you all continue to communicate about uh, revenue and whatever, how, you know, things are being spent? You know, is there some, you know, documents that are shared? Is it just through phone call? How, what does that look like? Right. So one of the things that we do is we'll go ahead and do, of course, do our underwriting and then we bring it to our property manager and we'll, because, you know, you're really part of a team. You're in it together. They're getting paid based on the money that they actually collect. And it's in their best interest to make sure that, you know, that the plans are realistic and that they're setting good expectations because you can have issues down the road. So one of the things after we get feedback from our broker and we understand what's happening, we then have the conversation with the property manager and say, hey, take a look at my underwriting here. This is what I'm assuming for year one. This is what we're seeing right now in delinquencies. This is how much I think that we're going to be able to collect or not collect. 
What are your thoughts on that? What are the things that we can put in place to try to make sure that we can expedite this? Then they may just ask questions about, tell me about where they are right now with evictions, or let me see where we are in the rent roll, or just understanding where various residents are in that process. If the property former or current team has already started that process to collect the rents for that person. So these are part of the plans. I was looking at a deal this summer and it was something that we did not pursue, but property manager was able to tell me based on where it's located, based on the level of occupancy right now, your occupancy level, you're not going to be able to ramp up until maybe eight months. So your year one is going to be a lot less than what you're even projecting right now. So that was a stark, that was sticker shock for me because I'm usually very conservative, (laughs) but it really helped to manage my expectations and it highlighted the risks with that project, which we ended up not pursuing. Also shows the value of that relationship or that team, like you mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about anything else before we move on, but anything else about the financial statement that you see maybe other teams missing or or something that you've learned recently that, that you've had to change about how you're looking or viewing those financial statements? Yeah. So I mean, another, we spend a bit of time talking about revenues, but also expenses are, are very important as well. So just understanding some of the very fixed expensive, like water, for example, and do they have the most water efficient fixtures in the property that can potentially drive savings later on? If they don't, maybe this is some potential upside for you, but you have to build that in also to your underwriting. You're going to have to make an investment in that. So it's understanding what your expenses are. That's also a very important part to get some feedback from your property manager as well, because you want to make sure that what you're underwriting and what you're seeing is in line with what what they see. They have an entire portfolio, so they should be able to help fact check some of the numbers that are coming in there and what makes sense where you may have to end up where you may actually have to invest more in the property to get some savings later on. Sonia, what's been the hardest part of the syndication process for you? So for me, it was definitely getting started and talking to people about investing in deals. A lot of this, my audience has been friends and family and people know you as, oh, Sonia, the accountant or Sonia, the finance person, but not necessarily as Sonia, the real estate investor. Not yet. So that was a, was a hard thing because it almost felt like, oh no, I'm just asking them for money. But you really are providing an opportunity. And that's what you should believe when you're presenting something to someone and, and asking people to trust in you, that you're giving them a real opportunity. How do you prepare for a, a downturn? You really have to think about your reserves think about your your cash on hand, try to come up with creative ways to collect as much of the cash from residents who are able to pay as early as possible in the collection process. This allows you to, to better understand the, your total cash position. And, and upfront, I would say if you're starting out and upfront, very consider putting up some reserves and making sure that you're raising enough to have some reserves. It can be a, a bummer because it, man, it affects the return sometimes. And usually it does, but you can give it back if you don't need it. That's right. That's right. Do you have a way of calculating how much reserves you need or you need to raise in the very beginning? 
Right. Well, we used to have, uh, just depending on the size property, a certain amount that we would put for just deferred maintenance. But now as we're going into this type of, because of COVID and just thinking about collections more, we're just looking at, looking at what your operating expenses are and just seeing, you know, what level do you feel comfortable having on the side just in case that you have collection issues down the road? So it's really just driven based on what, what the operating expenses are of the property and making sure that you feel comfortable you'll be able to carry and cover your obligations. What do you predict is going to happen over the next 6 to 12 months? And are you all planning to be buyers or sellers or just sitting on the sideline? Well, in the next few months, I think definitely always looking for deals and opportunities. So keeping an open mind to see what prospects are out there and and what deals we can acquire. If the situation is right and it makes sense, we could potentially be sellers, but we are also long-term in our thinking as well. So we just look for the best opportunities for our investors. You know, Sonia, I believe that, you know, anyone that's successful in almost any business, especially real estate, must have a high level of self-discipline. And how have you gained a high level of self-discipline? And, and can you give us a couple examples of, of maybe things that you are very disciplined about that have gotten you to this level of success that you're at now? Yeah, I think um, knowing what it is that you're looking for, trying not to be distracted by the many shiny objects that present themselves when you're looking at, looking at deals. Knowing what your criteria are are also very important too. So if you're saying that you know you're going to look at deals between sixty and. 200 units, that's a pretty wide range, but you're not spending time looking at the 400 unit deals or you're not spending time looking at the 20 unit deals because they're not, they're not in the range and they're not in your wheelhouse. So being really clear about that is something that has helped me get focused. Knowing what you know now with the experience that you have, what would you have done different on your first syndication? I would have probably gotten to my second deal a lot faster because (laughs) what I would say is that in the time that we purchased, all of the deals at that time would have been fabulous deals where we are right now. And so price points and everything seemed that seemed high when they started going up when we got in. And I I think I would have just bought more. I would have bought more. What's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to our business? I started doing better tracking with our deals, with the deals that we're underwriting and reviewing. And one of my my JV partners was had showed me this. I was and I've also adopted it using Trello, using Trello cards. It's sort of like a project management. And you can put all the deals into those cards and track them that way. This way, it's in a system. You can have specific things that you're looking at. And it's just a little bit better than Excel. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now? So being on great podcasts like this one <laughs> and continuing to to network with people. There's some of the exposure that I've had is a lot of people have been coming to me or, or tapping into me and just being open and willing to talk with people is I think really important during this time. So I'm always well open to do that. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I I would definitely say that that's my family, definitely my parents and my husband, because they've been such a, so supportive and such a foundation for me. So I would have to say them for sure. 
How do you like to give back? So I volunteer in a couple of organizations. I am here in Brooklyn and I volunteer at our, our local through our local merchants association. We have a plaza that we created by Prospect Park and I volunteer for that. I also am the treasurer for a not-for-profit organization that focuses on diversity and commercial real estate. Nice. Well, Sonia, I'm grateful for your time today with us and grateful for how you've given back and just shared how you've gotten to the level of success that you, you're at. And one thing I wanted to just highlight to the listener as well, I just love the quote and how you looked at being laid off. You know, you said, don't let things happen to you, but see them as an opportunity. And just through the support of your family, building an A team and, and some of those key players and who they need to be and just pulling in different skill sets from different people. And then also use your superpower of analyzing a financial statement and some tips that, that you have learned and that I hope help, helps the listeners. I know it will, you know, as they are looking at those documents and analyzing their next deals and communicating with their property management team. So Sonia, thank you again for your time. Share the, with the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Okay, great. Well, thank you for having me. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, but please do let me know that you that you were listening to Whitney's podcast and that's how that's how you came across my name. You can also go to my website, bedrockreinvestors.com and sign up for a newsletter. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.